It's Camogie all the way this weekend as the championship goes down to the final two. Anne Downey will take an overview of the All-Ireland Senior Final and she'll assess Kilkenny and Cork's strengths and weaknesses. We'll hear too from former Cork star Gemma O'Connor as the Rebels bid to reclaim the throne. And former Lee Shirling manager Cheddar Plunkett looks back on the inter-county season that was, takes a glance at the split season across all four codes and assesses the GEA's new structure. That's all on the championship. Now, delighted to be joined by former Leash Senior Hurling Manager Seamus Cheddar Plunkett. Cheddar, very welcome along to the show. Thanks, Damien. Good to talk to you. Um, we're looking forward to a big camogie final at the weekend, big uh, senior final, Cheddar, intermediate and junior as well. But just before we get into the chat, I wanted to kind of have a look back at the season that was uh, with yourself, just in terms of, I suppose, hurling, camogie, all the codes really. But the split season, Cheddar, does it need time to settle? Uh, are we on the right track with it? Or would you make any changes or tweaks at this early point? Um, look, I, I think it's good um, to have a trial basis first, Damien. And I think, um, you know, I think we should, I think the president, the GA president is, is right. Uh, you know, let's get through with this year, uh, let it run first, and then let's review it at the end of the year. Um, and I think that would be the right thing to do. And I think there may very well be, you, you might haven't looked at that and haven't had a full review of that. You might have looked to maybe do something different next year, maybe in terms of a blended um, style of season between county and club, you know, you, that might be something that you would want to look at. But on the review of that, which I understand the president is keen to, to have, um, I certainly would like to see that review being carried out on, you know, obviously our game is hurling, where hurling is going, uh, how can we grow the game, what are the needs to actually get there. Um, and, you know, in that context, then look at, uh, you know, how the inter-county and the club games are going to fit into that rather than a very narrow debate around that. Um, mm. and, and I think if that was the case, um, I certainly would like to see a committee like that being broader than we normally see in the GA and these things, which sort of gets into a sort of a narrow debate. Um, and I'd certainly like to see that to be more cross-functional uh, because there's lots of issues here around that, you know, that have nothing to do with, uh, you know, the club or county player. They have a lot to do with finance, the promotion of the game and all of those things. Um, and rather than just having a narrow debate on this, yes, we've got a window for the club player now. Um, there's a lot of other issues that needs to be discussed, discussed around the sustainability of hurling and where it's going to go and all of that. And in that sense, I'd certainly like the, the GA to look at some outside people with experts in the PR area, you know, if you're looking at the Shane Whelan of the IRFU or you're looking at the finance there's a lot of GA people involved in finance around the country that could come in and look at something like that and come out with a good comprehensive report that satisfies everybody that that's just it's just not a narrow report of inter-county versus club or something like that having said that I'm fully supportive of the club game incidentally um, mm. I'm just making that point that let's knock into a narrow debate about this I think there are some issues already um, you know some counties haven't started um, uh, you yeah. know, there's a lot of players, a lot of clubs are hurt by this, to be honest with you, because there's not a lot of players in on the J1s in the, in the States um, and, and that, you know. So there's a lot of issues already for discussion that has, is coming out, uh, even though we thought that this was going to be the better model. And I, I think the really big issue that needs to be discussed here is, are we seeding uh, a lot of the summer to um, the, the whole PR battle to some other sports? And if you look at what's coming up on the international front next year and the year after and so on and so on, are we 
we seeding that? Because I've, I've been at one of the things, I suppose, when you stand away from the inner county, it gives you a chance to go to a whole pile of matches in a whole pile of counties. And I've been at a number of, I've, I've been at matches all over the place in the last couple of weeks. And I'd, I'd have to say, you'd have to ask the question, um, you know, we have stadiums holding 50, 60, 70,000 people. Um, there might be maybe four or 5,000 people at some of these. But the point I'm making is none of those games make the international or make the national papers or anything like that. So you're not going to win a, a PR battle for the game of hurling. And if you're thinking of growing the game um, into the future, you're not going to win that with a club game alone. And that's why I think there needs to be a wider discussion, Damien. I mean, there's so many areas I could drill down deeper into them with that cheddar. I mean, you mentioned the fact that maybe a more blended season uh, between club and county. And I guess by that you mean that some counties haven't even started their domestic campaigns yet, which is probably a bit strange. Secondly, the J1 issue or the travelling issue, that definitely has cropped up this year. And cheddar, I suppose, just to touch on it then, like, I mean, you're a Port Leash uh, diehard. I, I'm waiting for my club killer one to play Clonulty in the tip championship this weekend. You always go back to your club, so they, you, you can never be accused of favouring county over club when you talk about profile and seeding to PR battle. But those three things, like, I mean, are, are they three issues the GEA could be working on in the close season? If you even identified the success of the Talchin Cup and the profile that got, compare that with the Joe McDonough Cup, um, trying to keep the best players at home during the summer, trying to extend the season by two or three weeks uh, longer for inter county. They're not intangible. They're not insurmountable challenges, uh, Cheddar, yeah. are they? No, I fully agree with that, and I, I, I think. Um then you also need to look. You've also dual counties thrown in here. I mean, look at some of the bigger Dublin clubs. There's, there, there, there's not that many dual inter-county players anymore, Damien, as we know. Uh, but there's certainly an awful lot of dual uh, club players. And you're trying to run, um, you know... And I, 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 I made this comment recently on, on one of your colleagues' shows, Damien, about Owen Cody. And, and I, I just knew this because I actually saw him doing some of the work. Um, so he was with uh, um, his club in All-Ireland um, with the Shamrocks in the club all Ireland, he had to do with pre inter-county pre-season. He played in the Fitzgibbon Cup and played in the final. Went into the National Hurling League. He's now gone into uh, went into the Championship. Got to an All Ireland final. Um, is now in is now in a club league and then going into a club championship in Kilkenny and may very well go into another Leinster championship in All Ireland. Um, you know, so there's some things that needs to be looked at like that. You're not going to be able to satisfy everybody, and no. that's why I'm saying look at the bigger picture. But in your report, you've got to bring all of those things out, and you're going and you're going to have to say, look, we can't satisfy everybody here. This is the best we can do at the minute, and uh, you know we'll review again in three years' time or five years' time or something like that. There's a lot of issues here uh, that do need to get fixed, um, but I. I do go back to the club. Um, I think if if we can settle on what that is going to be, then the promotion of the club games and all of that it needs to come up a lot. I, I would even say that the promotion of the inter-county game, you know, looking at the game we had in an All-Ireland final this year, look, it was a game for the ages. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to promote that? And if you go back, maybe... And I certainly don't want to promote uh, drinks companies. They're good enough for promoting themselves. But if you look back at the Guinness promotion of hurling a number of years ago and what they were able to do in terms of billboards and, and all of those type of stuff, like we are quite weak on that. And if we are going to go, if we're going to depend on the club season to promote our games from July, August, September onwards or whatever that period is, we better get in behind that and start promoting it and making sure that there's crowds that go to these games and get it into national papers and that. Not men, but giant that was the catchword, and I still remember it back from 1997. You know, and you're right, it struck a chord. Um, 
just in terms of, of, of where we're at then as an association, maybe pushing it back by two or three weeks could solve a lot of things. Uh, how do you keep your best players at home, Cheddar? Because we see with the with the ladies Gaelic football, top talents being plucked off there to go to Australia and you can't begrudge them the lifestyle, the challenge, the opportunities. Uh, I, I guess with Camogie, the same opportunities are not there unless you, you're a dual player. Uh, but just in terms of the, the flow of players going to America uh, to play this season. They're missing out in club games as well, Cheddar. How can you prevent that, I wonder? Well, I, I think this is an exceptional season in, in, in a sense because COVID, COVID stopped this for the last couple of years. And, you know, a lot of players, um, and a lot, you know, a lot of players are maybe their last year in college and this is, they're going to go into the, into, the, uh, uh, into the work area and they're not going to get a chance to do this maybe anymore. So, you know, they're, they're saying, look, this is my last year to be able to do this. I need to go. And uh, certainly nobody begrudges them going it's a great opportunity and, um, you mm. know, it, it certainly broadens their experience about life, not necessarily hurling. But it, and it's difficult to, to stop. And I don't even want to use that word stop, uh, Damien, because I certainly wouldn't want to stop any player from, um, you know, having, having a better lifestyle and so on and so on and experience things and all of that. I'd be fully supportive of that. Uh, but on the flip side of that, uh, you know, are there things that we can do better ourselves to make it more attractive for them to stay at home? Uh, you know, I think that's what we should be looking at. And, and I haven't given enough thought to that because yeah. this year has been an exceptional year, as I say. Uh, I think the, what has happened with the ladies, I think, uh, you know, in the ladies' football, that's a, that's a different and maybe more serious issue. You know, a lot of... Uh, of, of amateur coaches have coached these players to be great players um, and suddenly we lose them to the game. Um, and look, you know, you look at another sport and I know the reason for this, we're not a professional sport, but, but if, we have, if we have invested so much in those players being what they are and they're now going into a professional setup in Australia, a semi-professional setup in Australia, surely the GA needs to be compensated for that the very same way as if there was some player going from St. Patrick's going to Manchester mm-hmm. United or something like that. And I know some of the reasons may very well well be, but we have enough legal people in the GA to be able to say to some of these Australian clubs, if you post some of these players far away from us or something like that, uh, here's what here's what actually happens. And and if that takes the, to, takes it to the European Court to get those things done, that's fine. I, I, and I don't think any of those professional organisations would have a problem with that. We're we're handing them over ready-made stars, really. And I think um, because we're sport. an amateur association, it, it's probably taken advantage of too. Yes. There needs to be framework put in. Uh, yes. Seamus, that's ten minutes gone, so I, I'm. I'm afraid we're out of time, but there's so many more areas that I'd like to chat with you uh, throughout the summer and, and into the autumn as well, because picking up from what you were saying, an overview of everything from a distance is needed now, not just specific work groups in different areas. An overview of the whole thing is what's needed. Yeah, and I'd, I'd say just one final comment on it, Damien. There should be always under the umbrella of how can we grow the game? How can we make it bigger? At the minute, we have, and, and for the last 20, 30 years, there's been probably nine teams in the top of hurling. Yeah. Maybe Dublin has been nine for most of those times. Some of the times leaves have been 10, sometimes it hasn't. But at this minute, there's four or five counties that have a great opportunity. The answer the Westmeads, the Downs, the Kerrys, and probably leaving somebody out who have a great them. opportunity. Get behind a group mm. like that and maybe look at that. Maybe have have a, two steps. The first step is let's make it a 12 uh, team, serious team championship because without a doubt, the Leinster Round Robin and the Munster Round Robin were great competitions this year leading into an All-Ireland Championship. There were cracking games okay. and some great hurling. So I think that's, that's what needs to be looked at. Cheddar, pleasure talking to you again. Good evening to you and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Damien.
Now, delighted to be joined by one of the all-time greats of the GEA from a great GEA family, and Downey with 12 All-Ireland medals and seven at club level as well. And you're very welcome to the show tonight. Thanks very much, Damien. Delighted to be with you. Great to have you with us, Anne. I just, I suppose, before we get into the big business of the weekend, Camogie, a managerial change in Kilkenny down, down by Uruguay. Uh, Derek Ling is in to replace the great Brian Cody. Just your initial thoughts on that, Anne. Well, look, I suppose the rumour mill had been doing the circuits, to be honest, Damien. I'm not surprised he's done great work. And I suppose he's been there with Brian for so many years and three years with the under-20. So he knows what um, the job means, you know, to the people of Kilkenny. And I suppose he knows himself the the effort that he's going to have to put in. But, um, you know, happy now that the manager has been appointed after, you know, waiting two long weeks, I suppose, to know who, who was going to go into the job. And just wish him the very best of luck. Yeah, in Kilkenny, two weeks is, is a bit of a fuss and a long time, but it's very, very economic, so fair play to you. It's good to have that sorted out as well. And down to down, yeah, yeah. down to the business at hand then, Kilkenny and Cork in the All-Ireland Senior Camogie final at the weekend. Uh, fine win for your team over over Galway, and, and I know you're still very much connected to the to the girls and played a huge, huge part in, in, in their development and Brian's development, but what has impressed you most about the team this year? Sure, look, their spirit to be honest, um, you know, to deal with the blows that they dealt with all year, mm. um, you know, and to still come back and, and win every game. Um, you know, I mean, Brian has mentioned the long list of girls that have departed the scene since 2020. And, you know, they're, they're super players, all all-stars. Yeah. You know, he went back then this year and um, he had Kellyanne Doyle and Aoife Doyle who were, you know, Aoife was really beginning to find her feet as was Kellyanne and, you know, within three weeks of one another to be hit with cruciate ligaments and they're massive, absolutely two massive um, players for Kilkenny. Then they went up the north and they played Antrim um, in Dunloy and came away with that with Neve Dealey who had to get her her finger um, wired, you know, and to have her missing for, I think, you know, three or four weeks, you know, just the amount of work that they have done with them. You couldn't but be, um, you know, inspired by what the lads have done, Tommy and Philly and Pat O'Neill and Ray Chandler there uh, working with um, with Brian, you know, and any manager would have said, look, you can forget about this year, the year is gone, but he put everything behind him. He said, look, it is what it is. We move on to the next player. And that's what they've done. And they all seem to be just hunting in packs for one another. You know, there's no one, obviously Denise is, is the leader of the pack, but Denise didn't have her finest day in Croke Park the last day, but everyone else took up the mantle. And, you know, that's great. You know, now that they're not over, relying on on Denise and um, you know just inspired by the whole thing to be honest that's really well said and like I just watching the, the game against Galway and, and the intensity and they, they hunted in packs from the from the moment that the ball was thrown in really and I just from reading then the, the articles behind the scenes like uh, obviously unfortunately Brian's family and, and Tommy's family have had you know tragedies yeah. off the field as well yeah. and it's yeah. just reading into what the girls have done for the lads um, it seems to be a really really tight camp and picking up then on what you said and I suppose psychologically to, to rally in, in terms of what they've lost in terms of players missing that's nearly their greatest achievement isn't it what you were saying too the fact that mentally they're still in the hunt yeah, it is to be sure. You know, I mean, as I said, anyone would have folded. And uh, to a person, they were all at the the funerals for, for both Paul and uh, and Brian's uncle. You mm. know, I mean, as you said, two desperate tragedies. And I suppose maybe they have seen 
I said to themselves, look, there's worse things than losing a game and they're hurling with freedom and, you know, they put so much time into each of the girls. I mean, there's so many of the girls that are new onto the panel and uh, wouldn't have played. Tiffy Fitz comes to mind straight away, probably had never played in Croke Park, but I know myself the detail that Brian goes into. He's just meticulous in everything that he does. He will watch videos, he will he will watch what is happening at training, he will know if a girl is, you know, maybe down in herself. He'll have a few words with her. Um, you know, and I'd say to you here now, Damien, you know, sooner or later we'll see Brian in, in hurling management in Kilkenny, unfortunately for Camogie, but that is the way he's heading. I mean, he's, and the mm. team that he has around him, just wor- working so well with him and, you know, making sure that they work well with the girls that they have there, you know. And, and of course, Julianne has come back from Australia and she's a huge bonus as well. And I was just looking at the, the again, the, the, the semi-final and like, I mean, it was a hunt, a hunting game. It was a tight game, but we had one, two, three, four, five, six, six, seven different scorers too. And and just mm. just with an eye on the final then on Sunday, because I'm talking to Gemma O'Connor afterwards and looking at Cork there. But do you think the form lines are a bit stronger for Kilkenny coming into this final? Then, look, I suppose Damien, they've had the harder games, and that's. Yeah with due respect to everyone at the other, but I mean, they've had three tough games with Galway. And I think really that will stand to them, to be quite honest. Um, you know, Cork are not the Cork that we saw in the semi-final. Yeah, they had a blip for 25 minutes, but they still won and yeah. they still put yeah. the last eight scores on the board, um, you know, before the final whistle went. That's testament to the great team that they are. So okay. they've had their bad day. They'll be well, you know, oiled up for this uh Corky uh, Kenny uh, match <laughs> on Sunday, and I don't think we're going to see a repeat of what happened the last day. Okay. Kenny, for my money, are going to really have to be on their best because uh, Cork have superstars mm. all over the pitch from their Amy Lee in their goal to Libby at uh, full back, uh, Laura Tracy at centre back, Hannah Looney has come back from her travels in the middle of the field, you know. And I need to tell you about no. Katrina Mackey and no. Amy O'Connor, you know. I mean, they just and Kenny. You know, they didn't have a great first half, uh, but motored into it in the second half. But I expect a rip-roaring game. To and and be could I put you on the spot then, just for the last thirty seconds? Uh, obviously, the Camogie Intermediate Final is on between Galway and Cork again, and that'd be a cracker. And then you've Armagh versus Antrim. Just uh, briefly, and what would you think about those two games? Well, I I think you know I suppose Armagh have the Jenny O'Leary factor, and mm. uh, whereas Antrim are probably just now a young team, and I I think that uh, Armagh have put something like six twenty one on the board uh, during the year. So I think you know they probably have a little bit of yeah. maybe more experience going into the game okay. uh, with the intermediates. I suppose again, um, Cork have had the tougher round. Um, all their games that they have played and I think that maybe Cork have again that little bit more experience although both teams are very young but I think Cork okay. and Armagh and enjoy the game Sunday if that's possible and thanks so much for your time if that's possible <laughs> okay Damien thanks a million thanks very much Now, from one great to another, and I'm delighted to be joined by uh, one of the all-time greats in, in Cork, in GEA, in Camogie, whatever way you want it. Gemma O'Connor is with us now, uh, nine All-Ireland medals, of course. And I think somewhere in the region of 11 All-Stars, Gemma, if memory serves me right. How are you tonight? I'm good, Damien. Thanks for asking me on yeah. the show. No, no bother. And, and good to have you back in Ireland as well. I know you're away with the Defence Forces too. Uh, did you take long to get back up to speed with the game I mean you, you give all your life to it and then suddenly I suppose in the last year or two you're not at the the level level that you're at um, yeah it was this season was a bit strange um, you know obviously enough and I'm not involved in, in Cork anymore but um, mm. 
I travelled with the Defence Forces in um, November. We were in quarantine beforehand and then no leave or anything like that. So I didn't go back till the end of May. But I was trying to keep in touch with some of the games over. But, you know, the, the coverage overseas wasn't great at times. So it was kind of hard to keep tabs. But, you know, social media and text messages from home and stuff like that, I was able to to kind of follow the game and to see some of um cover to see some of the the games played back and stuff like that so um mm. you know I was able to uh, kind of follow it that way and look, I suppose since you're you're back, like it's great to see the, the Rebels back in an All Ireland final, both senior and intermediate as well, Gemma. It's a good sign for the game. But just your your thoughts then on on what Matthew Toomey and and I suppose uh, Davy Fitz in the backroom team have done this year. Uh, you know the the girls have obviously maybe changed tack a little bit in terms of tactics, but just from from the outside, what way do you see the season developing uh, thus far? Um, it's hard to kind of know, I suppose. Maybe just like Kilkenny, maybe and other teams, Cork have been in a transition period over the last few years since maybe a number of us have left. Mm. Um, change management, younger players. I mean, you've the likes of Laura Tracy and Ashton Thompson. They're the senior players that that are there now, and um, you know the likes of Laura Tracy and stuff is still quite young. Um, but definitely uh, Matthew coming on board and Davy Fitz, there's a different approach to their game and, and tactics. I would nearly say that maybe there's less tactics and maybe they're trying to play maybe a very direct ball um, up to the forward line. However, sometimes that doesn't work and that maybe it doesn't suit Cork quite as much because I think some of the ball that's going in is not good enough and they're, they're kind of leaving themselves um, mm. kind of tight up front because they're only having one or two there and maybe getting too many players behind the ball um, to, to gather it in around the middle of the field you know you're you're kind of congesting it then yourself so um, it's kind of hard to know um, I think some of the league games played off quite well um, for them they, you know they've racked up a good few scores in, in the Limerick game in the league and then played Kilkenny where you know I suppose poor conditions in the league semi-final um, saw them kind of grinding out a draw which they only needed um, to progress onto the league final but um, you know I suppose it's hard to know going into the league or going into the championship semi-final mm. then against Waterford you know championship games are so different and um, look, it wasn't an ideal performance, but they got the win. I know they're in, back in an All-Ireland semi-final, um, or an All-Ireland final, sorry. But yeah, look, it, it's it's hard to know. Once you get Cork in a final, you know, I would like to think it's hard to beat them. But again, you know, they, they lost against Galway last year and, you know, they're out, they're without a player like Orla Cronin up front who's a massive loss. Um, and the likes of Pamela Mackey in the back line. So, you know, they've... They've a lot to do, but it's certainly within their reach, you know, and Kilkenny will be very hard to beat in an order and final mm. day, but, you know, look, anything is possible. And Gemma, do you think that maybe it was a fairly titanic tussle with Waterford and I think Cork only hit the front nearly very, very late on. Psychologically, will that stand to them into the, into the final? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, there's two or three ways that you can look at every game and uh, every league game, every championship game. And you can kind of see the pros and cons to everything and take out of the, you know, the positive things and the negative things. Look, you know, we'll call a spade a spade. Mm. You know, scoring your first point 25 minutes into the game isn't good enough by any standard. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose disappointed to see that happening. Um, the other side of it is you have to give Waterford the credit that they're due and maybe people underestimate yeah, the likes of Waterford. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they 
played out a very intense kind of, I suppose, 35 to 40 minute game and Cork struggled. Um, and you have to give them that credit for keeping Cork at bay. But, um, you know, the likes of Ashton Thompson, she came on and turned the game around. She did, and I yeah. mean, She's a player that lives on the edge. You know, she certainly made some mistakes when she came on, but she, you know, there was a lot of positive to her play and she kind of gave Cork that boost and that aggression and that motivation which they needed and it kind of pay, paid off and Cork kind of gained the momentum from there, you know. So, um, look, I suppose the likes of Watford, you know, as I said, they're a better team that you know most people give them credit for and um, maybe that showed it against the, the Cork game in the semi-final. Yeah, so I, I was looking at Cork a few times this year, Gemma, and like they appear to be fairly resolute on who they're picking up tactically to man man mark. For, forgive the expression, uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, you you were saying this the struggle for scores. I I think against Waterford though they you know this, they didn't shoot the lights out by any means, but it was like a six seven scores on the score sheet, and they're going to need to replicate that again against Kilkenny, aren't they? Yeah, I mean. Um... Look, it is a bit of a worry not getting scores on the board. Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're playing it. Yeah, playing a little deep, relying maybe too much on freeze. I mean, you know, you've the likes of Katrina Mackey and Amy O'Connor up front. Look, mm. again, as I said, you can look at things. Look at things a few a few ways. They're not getting the supply. If they're going to go with this kind of um, get the ball to the midfield and hit a, a you know a direct. direct ball in, then it has to be direct. And there's no two ways about it. It has to be pinpoint, yeah. has to be a one bounce ball, and has to be in favour of of the forwards. Look, the forwards will have to grind out their own way of getting the ball at times. But you know, you can't be hitting in a sixty forty ball all the time and expecting small players like Amy O'Connor and Katrina Mackey um, to to be winning those. Um, so, like, you know, Cork are very good at that running game. I'd like to see it being done a little bit more, but they're not so maybe it's not a wise decision to try and change the way they're playing going into a final I just hope that maybe Matthew Toomey and their backroom staff kind of will will concentrate on the last two weeks of of you know uh, practicing the, the supply and the distribution into the forwards maybe that way and uh you know, I think if they can get their game sorted up front, then you know, I think they'll be within a definitely showing chance of of Kilkenny. Gemma, it's been great to talk to you, and just from listening to you the last while, I mean, getting the the structure and the systems right for the forwards is key then to Cork winning a famous All Ireland on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, like, look, I suppose if you look at Kilkenny as well, they're not too far away from the way they play with, um, you know, in, in comparison to Cork. Like, I suppose you have the likes of uh, Denise Gall, who plays very deep in that role, um, Katie Powers out around the midfield, and, and yeah. they're quite defensive, probably more defensive than what people think they yeah. are. I'd like, you know, from a neutral point of view, so to speak, for, you know, anybody that's that's watching the game, you know, you'd like to see the likes of Denise Gall Katie Power more up front. The same for Ashley Thompson. That allows Hannah Looney to move up front, and then it opens up the game for a more of a kind of offensive okay. um, attack. You know, for the for the game, you'd like to see the game opening up a bit and let the the forwards kind of have a an op- yeah express themselves right. and an open play. Yeah, Gemma O'Connor, thanks so much for your time. It was great to chat to you. Thank you very much. Okay, that's it for this week's show, folks. The programme was produced by Gary Moore and sound engineer was Ruth Kennington. From myself, Damien Lawler, stay safe, chat again uh, next year. Thanks so much for listening and thanks too to Damien O'Mara and Andrew Connor who helped on production all year long. See you next year, please, God. Yeah.